Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown. I'm your host, Hannah Brown, and welcome back, everybody. <sighs> My voice on everybody. Like, I don't know what that what that was. You know, we're trying to switch it up while also not switching it up at all. You know what I mean? Um, Hope everyone's had an amazing week. Hope we have some exciting COVID safe weekend plans in store. Before we get to today's amazing guest, might I make a recommendation? Last weekend, Jake and I went to the Botanic Gardens, walked around, then picked up some tacos, sat on our couch around 2 p.m. and watched the entire season of Instant Hotel. That's 12 45-minute episodes in one sitting while also stopping at one point to order more food and drink. And it was, I'm not kidding, the best weekend I have had in so long. I took two naps throughout, so Jake had to fill me in on certain episodes of Instant Hotel. For those of you who don't know, Instant Hotel is a show from, I believe, like 2017. It's a competition show with that takes place in Australia, and it's like several different families, and they all have their own Instant Hotel, um, i.e. like an Airbnb. And so they're all competing. So they all have to take turns staying in each other's instant hotel, writing them on things like night's sleep, um, location, local amenities, like shit like that. So they all have to like rate each other's um, instant hotels. And then the hosts of each instant hotel then have to rate them as guests. And ultimately... um, You know, you're going to have to watch and see who wins the grand prize, which is a trip to sunny California, where you get to stay in one of the world's most exclusive instant hotels. Y'all, every single person on this show is like an Australian Christopher Guest character. I mean, like truly just like the most amazing personalities. There is heart. There are laughs. There's real estate porn. Also, though, like no one really has good decor taste. So like you can also be kind of judgy during it. I mean, it was just the most gentle, soothing quarantine watch. So if you don't have weekend plans yet, might I suggest Instant Hotel? And if you do choose to watch it, please report back. Um. Oh, by the way, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter, Hannah A. Brown Zero on TikTok. Um, and if you're loving the podcast, please, please, please do me the biggest favor and head on over to iTunes and leave it a rating and a review. I would super appreciate it. And if you're looking for uh, extra episodes, more content, head on over to patreon.com slash not aspirational, where just $5 a month gets you access to all of the bonus episodes. So check it out. We're having a good time over there currently recapping season one of Laguna Beach. Okay, now let's get to today's amazing guest. Today on the podcast, I was joined by friend of the pod and hilarious comedian and writer, Michelle Thorne. She is amazing. I love her so much. And we had an amazing conversation about social media breaks and um, authenticity when it comes to how you create and present your work on social media. We also discussed her experiences as an Asian woman in entertainment and like in the comedy space, as well as her thoughts on this season of Real Housewives of Dallas. We also talked about our experiences in the restaurant industry, our thoughts on the Madison LaCroix, Kristen Cavallari drama. We also make a strong case for why there should be more justice for horse girls, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to give it all away, but I know y'all are going to love Michelle. I know you're going to love this episode. Without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Michelle Thorne. Oh my gosh, Michelle Thorne. Welcome to the pod. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Michelle, you haven't been back since the rebrand, but I'm thrilled to have you back. So excited. Oh my God. I was just thinking about the last time that we did this pod together. It was like right before COVID. It was real. I mean, it, it was there, but we didn't know how serious it was because the government was telling us it wasn't that serious yet. So uh-huh. we were like, what? Mm-hmm. You were like then- the last person I saw. Oh, shit. <laughs> I remember like the last day of work, like, cause listeners, we used to work together and I just remember the last day of work, like not knowing it was my last day ever. I'm like, what a weird feeling. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I wanted to ask you something right off the bat. First of all, yes. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm so excited to just like dig into like just your career and all your things. But I wanted to ask you, cause I just took one of these. Have you ever taken a social media break? Um, only when I go places like on a vacation, like camping, things like that, it's not intentional. It's not like, oh, I'm going to, but I don't go on for like a week or two. Or when I was on my honeymoon last year in Costa Rica, I didn't go on at all for a week. Uh, Things like that. Um, I've now set a timer for, and this is sad to admit, hour and a half and I do hit it and I think, okay, then I peace out, you know? So that's healthy. I mean, it's new because I, do you ever look at how much time you spend on social media, like that hours? Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was, yeah, I, that's good to have those boundaries with yourself because I literally like, and I posted about this on my Instagram, but like I took a social media break this last weekend because I was just feeling so like down and like bad about myself. And it's one of those things where like, you don't notice you're doing it, but you're like mindlessly scrolling and scrolling, just like waiting for the internet to make you feel good about yourself. But it just makes it worse because Instagram's just one giant case of FOMO if you really think about it. And so I took like a two and a half day break and I feel like a new woman today. And I was like, wow, I need to like have this conversation for the listeners to hear because I feel like it's so easy. Yes. Like I just feel like it's so easy to like, I was like, oh my God, if I sign off Instagram for a few days, like no one's going to remember me. Like everyone's going to forget about me and like everyone's going to unfollow me. Like I had all these like irrational fears and I was like, oh no, like no one even noticed. Not in a mean way, but like, you know, maybe they're doing the same thing. You got to rest. You got to rest. Do you find like as a comic, like, do you find that there's pressure to like be creating like comedic content on Instagram all the time? No, I mean, I wish I did because I would be more productive and do more things like that. (laughs) But I mean, as you know, I don't have my AirPods in. I can't, I'm like so bad with technology. You know what I mean? And like any kind of like Zoom shows I've done have felt kind of awkward because I'm in my house and my cat's crawling in my lap and putting her face in the camera, which is hysterical, but you know, mm-hmm. that's not what the people are. I mean, maybe that's what they want, but that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, and, I, and there's some people that are so good at it that they just produce like the best. I'm like, that's such a good idea that the way they did it. And you know, I just, for me, I just don't, you know, I'm kind of just like, feel like I'll just be funny in my posts. I'm funny in my stories mm-hmm. and the most natural way that I can. And then, you know, hope that I still got it when stand up comes back around. Oh, you still got it, honey. I feel like, but that's so, that's such a good point because I feel like it's so easy to like see what other 
funny people on the internet are doing. I'm like, holy shit, they did that so well. Like, should I be doing stuff like that? And it's like, like to your point, there are some people, like I think of like Benny drama, like his videos are so fucking funny and he does like the makeup and the costumes and the editing and the production quality is like so impressive. But it's like, yeah, I'm not tech savvy either. And it's like, oh, I couldn't do something like that because I literally just like physically, my brain doesn't do that production side of things very well. It's hard. And that's its own skill. I mean, even yes. skill. I don't even understand. Yes. Like, I don't know. I'll watch them, but I like tried for one day and I was like, oh gosh, not for me. I don't understand. Like I felt so stupid. Same, same. You have to play to your strengths. I think that's like a very, that's a very, we were talking about manifestation before this. That's like, like whatever's in alignment with you is like where you're going to find success anyways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and also there's an aspect for me where standup is, touching the stage, right? Like walking on the stage, connecting with people, like having conversations. And I don't feel like that is there um, through social media. I mean, maybe it could be with other people, but it just, for me, it hasn't clicked. And honestly, I kind of taken this time during COVID to like not put stress on being funny. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like this is the opportunity of like, I've just never been a sad clown and not saying that I'm sad right now, but I'm stressed, you know? And so it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not like Tignataro. Like I've had like bad news and then have had to cancel shows. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. just like go and turn that. That's a skill too. And so like, you know, as you know, my husband's like in the center of COVID with being a nurse and it's just very stressful. And I know for me, sometimes when I try to force myself to be funny, I'm just not happy in my regular day-to-day life or I just come off a little too aggressive with my humor. And it just, mm-hmm. I just decided to take a break for now because I mean, I know that I, it'll come back and that it's not the most important thing. Self-care is kind of the most important thing right now. Yes. So, you know, I just been taking it as an opportunity as a break just to work on myself and, you know, comics have a lot of issues. So let's ha- hammer them out right now. Michelle, that's so inspiring, truly. Because I think like, I've had a similar thought where I'm like, oh my God, like, why aren't I just like churning out content? I have all this like, quote, time. But I do think like self-care, being at the forefront of anything you do is just such a, a healthy choice to make. Because like, yeah, I agree. I think when you're creating from a place of like, grounded like happiness looks a lot different than when you, than when you're creating from a place of like I'm fucking miserable but I guess I'm gonna write a joke today you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> it works for some people but like I'm like is that sustainable like are you happy and a lot of comics I mean correct me if I'm wrong are like very depressed and like unhealthy well yeah I actually was just talking about this with my husband the other day because I had done a couple of shows with Robin Williams when I used to do improv oh. uh, which was of course the most amazing like life goal of my life, you know, but it was right before he killed himself. And um, it was kind of interesting watching him. I, I, he like impacted me in this way where I like, I like learned from him almost to just Mm -hmm. be like, wow, you know, I'm not saying I'm Robin Williams, but like watching what was going on. Like he was just, imagine being sad and just like never having being able to turn it off. You know what I mean? Like any person that meets Robin Williams, it's like the story of their life. Right. I met Robin Williams at this, the you know, but for him, he's just trying to like run an errand or, you know, have a drink at a bar, do a show. And it's just like, he has to just light up every person's life that he like comes across. And he must've been so tired. Fuck. That's, I felt that in my chest. What an exhausting way to live. Uh But like, what? It's an RIP. 
RIP, but also what a beautiful memory that you got to work with him. That's so yeah. cool. It was literally like, just stand back and let him do everything, you know? <laughs> oh, but who could ask for anything more? He was like making me be a horse, making me be a carriage. I'm like, fine, whatever. Like, you, know, <laughs> like, you do you. I'm just a prop. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Sort of segueing into that. What's your biggest inspiration? Like when you're writing jokes? Probably my trauma. <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah. Like anything that's all my standup is very personal about me, like either growing up in Florida, growing mm-hmm. up, you know, Asian, Korean in Florida, like a very small town, like teeny tiny town, just like all the things that happened to me, my personal stories, you know, you know, take whatever is unique about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of talk about. Um, it's so funny though that. right now because I literally, I have this writing, I'm doing this writing in the show right now um, where a Japanese show and mm-hmm. I, in my stand-up used to always be like, oh, I'm a Korean, like know the difference between the Asians. And then I'm like, well, I'm Japanese today. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll write on this Japanese show if you pay me. <laughs> that's, that's cool though. Why I'm not making anything else either because I'm working on this show too. So that's awesome. It's yeah. amazing. I love that. Um, what do you what do you love the most about like doing stand up? Like what do you miss the most about it right now in this pandemic? <laughs> Probably the energy that it brings, yeah. you know, that jolt of drug of performance. Also like seeing other people do well in stand up, you know, like especially because I run my own show. Mm-hmm. You know, there used to be going to certain shows would be like terrible just like guys talking about their dick for 45 minutes that is boring you know and then I cultivated such a great show with such smart women and you know smart some smart men sprinkled in there too you know but like (laughs) I really loved watching other people do well too you know I loved being like oh I know that girl and she's doing such a great set and things like that you know oh I love that I will say like in my very brief like dabbling in stand-up. That was the thing that always frustrated me the most as like a new stand-up who like really didn't know what the fuck I was doing was like, I always felt like any open mic I went to, there was never like a vibe of camaraderie. It was always like either no one was paying attention because they were still writing through your set or they like didn't really seem to want other people to do well. And that was like, I did not have the skin for it. I never understood that. I was like, don't you do stand-up because you love to laugh and you love comedy? So don't you want to watch some good stand-up right now? Yeah. Right in your phone and acting like, I don't know. I would just like, not to judge people, but maybe they're nervous or something, but Mm -hmm. I always like watching other people. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like, yeah. And I think that there's, I mean, obviously... I fall into the trap of comparing a lot. I think it's really hard not to. Um, but also I feel like everyone brings, especially with stand-up, like you said, like writing your jokes is so personal because like not only are you a performer, you're also a writer. So like what you bring to the table as an individual is unlike literally anyone else doing stand-up. So to like compare yourself to someone else's set bombing or crushing is just like kind of useless because it really has nothing to do with how your set's going to go or like what you're doing, if that makes sense. No, that's exactly right. I was literally yeah. thinking in my head, I was like, you shouldn't, when you said about the comparison, I was like, you shouldn't compare because it's your own story. Yeah. I mean, if you're not talking about your dick for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I experienced that too. Like I would find myself developing crushes on these like guys in stand up who like didn't even have that good of a set, but just like a like, mediocrely attractive guy getting up there and like doing a set. I would just be like, Oh my God, so hot. And then I, I realized like, Oh, this is like a, 
problem like in this <laughs> industry is that like these like mediocre guys get like these great women being like, wow, that's really cool what you did up there. And then they do like the bare minimum because they're like, but I'm funny. And it's like, okay, but you're also a dick. Um, is that the problem with the whole world? <laughs> like, yeah, not- you know what? That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, also... What would you say your biggest challenge was like in the early days of doing stand-up? Hmm. Well, honestly, it's just to start doing it because I wanted to do it years ago and I just never did. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, either it was like self-doubt or fear or something. I just never did it. So mm-hmm. just to start doing it. And then honestly, to think not step-by-step, step, but you think too big picture. You think like, oh, am I going to ever do it? You know, instead of just putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm said about almost anything you know you just think about the problem right ahead of you instead of like you know I would be thinking like how would I ever get to perform here perform there or do that you know instead of just focusing on one step and then the next step and the next step um because it is really a, a nice community people are down to help each other which you know mm-hmm. is the same in a lot of communities it's just your own you get in your own way I think that would I got in my own way yes so how did you ultimately like reconcile with that fear and sort of overcome it to be like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna do it um ended up being one of my friends and that I know has a stand-up class and she I think lied to me and said she was never gonna do it again and then she asked me to be her TA and so then I was TA and then that's so she basically forced me into the world of stand-up. oh my god it was your <laughs> gateway your gateway drug yeah but then she it wasn't her last time doing the show and she's still doing that she's doing that class I mean um but yeah and that was a good learning experience being a TA and like helping because first I was like how am I going to help all these people do stand-up when I haven't even done it yet but I had so much experience with a comedy in general and writing mm-hmm. so it was like helpful to help people write their own jokes and like just tweak them and stuff like that but it made me just be immersed in the world you know Totally. There's nothing more inspiring than when you're just surrounded by something that you're excited about, like all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and also you, cause you got into UCB, you did like sketch writing at UCB, but you traversed from like the acting world into the comedy world. So was it from sketch writing then that you got into stand up? Yeah, definitely. You know, I used, I was a theater major in college and always thought I was going to be a movie star mm-hmm. and you know, things don't come up. I just like now thinking of like being like, I think about when I was like younger and I first moved to California, right? I just wanted to be so famous. Like I didn't even know what the world was. Like I didn't know what was going on at all. I was from Florida, you know what I mean? And not just like, I'm from a small town of nothing, but, um, I just realized that wasn't what, what I wanted when I was like 15. isn't the same as what I wanted when I was 30. And, you know, I just, mm. One of my girlfriends forced me to do UCB with her and then end up just being like, oh, right. Like I have like stories to tell. Like I have a comedic voice and that definitely led me the way. But I was, I did UCB 10 years ago when I was like on a team there and it's not the UCB it is today. And I'm glad UCB is the way it is today. But let me tell you, there wasn't a lot of women and there wasn't a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. I was on a sketch team there and I did one sketch about being Asian, um, about like going to castings and stuff when you're being Asian, but your last name is like white. And so they don't like expect you to come in or whatever, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then I like want to do another one that had nothing to do with like, like an Asian family. And like, they were like, why do you always want to do Asian stuff? <gasps> and I was like, I, I remember this guy is like white guy just screaming that at my face on my team and just being like, 
because that's like my story to tell, you know, yes. it annoyed me. And that's what made me go to stand up. Cause I was like, okay, I'm going to write for myself instead of writing like 57 back to the future sketches with these white guys. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Fuck that. I'm sorry that happened to you, but also like so cool that you were able to find stand up as like a space that was like yours to command where you could tell whatever fucking stories you want. Yeah, definitely. Oh, fuck that guy though. That's so annoying. Let's say his name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> here's his name. Here's his address. Here's his Instagram handle. Go get him. <laughs> Go get him, listeners. Um, that's amazing, though. Did you... Um, how do you... I wanted to ask you this. This is something I'm really curious about. How do you keep your spirits up when you have a set that, like, bombs? Oh, my God. It's the, the worst feeling in the whole world. I know. It's <laughs> happened to me even as an amateur, <laughs> obviously. One time I was in New York and I headlined the show at like a comic book store, which was like so New York, right? You like think you're like the coolest person in the whole world. And then yeah. the next day I did an open mic in New York and comics are fucking good in New York, of course. And mm-hmm. I bombed so hard. And then I had to ride the train back home to Brooklyn, like sitting next to Barf. And <laughs> I thought that was a nickname for a person, like for a split second. And I was like, oh, you mean like vomit. No, actual, you know, human barf. And I was like, this is the worst feeling in the world. But it was like perfect because I was like, the like environment represented my emotions, you know? I I think you just, nothing really makes you feel better. It just sucks. And then you get over it, you know? Yeah. I mean, hopefully there's people, you know, there's to suck and then never go back would be terrible but it's just like anything it's just terrible you know and especially with me like I was raised Korean and we're not supposed to fail Mm -hmm. and it's so terrible to fail and so that was honestly one of the first times that I really was like this is absolute failure like I felt it and I was like the representation of it was next to me (laughs) sitting next to me as barf and it's just such a low feeling that I had to grow from it. You know, I went back and I was like, what did I do wrong? You know, I came back, I, I, I was too angry. I was this, you know, cause I was in New York. So I thought, Oh, New Yorkers are like sarcastic. And mm-hmm. I had like, a negative vibe to me, which is like unpleasant to hear, honestly, you know? So it's like, especially with me, I can come off too hard. I know that about myself. So I just had to just dig in deep and be like, why did you bomb? Don't do it again. Or try. Not. <sighs> That's tough. But also I want to ask, was it weirdly like freeing to fail where you're like, oh my God, like, like, oh. was it kind of that place where you're like, okay, I hit this sort of metaphorical rock bottom in this moment. And now like, I have nowhere to go, but up from here. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's also like nothing will probably feel worse than sitting on this train next to Barf knowing <laughs> you bombed in front of so many awesome comics too. Like, you know, and just being like, I, and I definitely thought people from New York would hate LA. So I'm like, I'm from LA and I like made from LA and they're like, like they like wanted to like LA. And I was like, your negativity you brought into your standup affected your life, you know? So yeah, it was a lesson in that too, you know, to like, just try to be better and not try to go to the negative and not be sarcastic. And mm-hmm. And honestly, like like I said, nothing would feel worse than riding on the train with Barf. So you've done it. Don't be afraid of it. You know. Yes. Yes. Rock bottoms, I always find them to be like weirdly liberating because I'm like, oh, this is like the worst that it can be. I've overcome this moment and like I'm still here. So like bring it. I mean, I mean, we see memes about it all the time, but it's the truth, you know. Yeah. You really do failure helps you. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Way to make like vomit into lemonade. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
awesome. Um, so what, getting back to your show, Throwing Punches, um, what made you and uh, your friend and fellow comic, Emma Pine, yes. decide to begin this show? Honestly, it was Emma probably because Emma's such an outgoing person. I'm very introverted. She is just like extrovert. She's like the definition of extrovert. She would literally walk up to Mark Maron and be like, come do our show. You know what I mean? Like we have like a good blend of our personalities, I think. And she was in the class that I was a TA in and she was constantly that person being like, can you help me? Can you help me? Like on my off time, she would like come to my house and I would like help her work out her jokes and stuff like that. And so she has just got a lot of ambition and drive and that extrovert personality. And so she was like, I've got an idea like let's do this show blah 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 and then you know I'm kind of like behind the scenes you know I was like oh I know who the good comics are or like you know and stuff like that so we kind of were a good pair when it comes to that and then I definitely was in a Agreeance to start the show because I'd gone to so many shows that I didn't like. I'd gone to so many shows that were like two and a half hours, especially like comedy store and stuff like that, where they're trying to make money, you know, like every person mm-hmm. buys a ticket or like the bringer show situation like that, where they just let a million people on the lineup and they're drag on forever and you feel yes. guilty having your friends come see it. That was another thing too. I wanted my friends to be able to come see a really fun show. So one that didn't cost a million dollars at the clubs, right? Like at the mm-hmm. improv or cost like 20 bucks to buy a ticket and then drink minimum drink minimums it ends up being like a really expensive ordeal for your friends to come see your shows and I didn't want that to be the case and I wanted to produce a show that was good yeah (laughs) give women a chance to headline give people of color a chance to headline so it's not just the same you know white guys you see at the comedy store all the time yeah that's awesome I are you planning on continuing it like once bars can be a thing again yeah um neither of us are like that tech savvy and so we just you know we appreciate the zoom shows that we do but we didn't really want to do our own version of that um also she just got is uh, getting married I had just gotten married so we just kind of took this time to be like at home and just regroup Nice. Well, I'm excited to attend throwing punches on the other side of this. Yeah. Thank God. When will it be? (laughs) When, right. Whenever it is. Um, I wanted to segue into Real Housewives of Dallas because in prepping for this, you're like, are we going to talk about Real Housewives of Dallas? Because as an Asian woman, I'm sure you have some thoughts on Tiffany in this season really quick. Like, what are your thoughts? First of all, when you texted me today, I was like, thank you for using your white privilege and learning her name because I didn't even know her own name. I was going to say that Chinese girl, which is terrible. <laughs> but I guess as an Asian, I can. Um, I mean, I feel two ways about Tiffany. I like mm-hmm. Tiffany's person, but I think is Bravo, does Bravo really care about Tiffany or does Bravo bringing Tiffany to like make up for Leanne mm-hmm. or, you know, make up for any all the Vanderpump people, you know? Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm glad that she's getting her story. Sharon, you know, uh, Sharon is not a word. Sharon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she, I mean, on one hand, you're like, oh yeah, she is a doctor, of course. Like, you know, like, did you look her up on AsianStereotypes.com? But, you know, I'm glad she's there. <laughs> but watching her story, I'm like, oh my God. Like when her mom like hates her, I'm like, that's so real, you know? Uh, 
That's so interesting. Cause that's the other thing too. Like I was very offended by the chicken foot episode, not the fact that she wanted them to eat the chicken feet, but like, I thought they were all so fucking impolite about that whole situation, but there are all these like things about Chinese culture and Asian culture that like, I just don't know. So it is like, just like, I mean, it's obvious, but it's just so important to have representation on TV. Cause there's all this shit that like, I just don't know. Cause I'm a white girl. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about Chinese culture that I was interested in learning about, Right, you know? So, and it, I mean, the weird thing is, you know, how Cam is all like manners, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not supposed to turn down food. That's manners, 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 right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to at least try. That's like a basic Southern manners. So she's going to be pulling that shit mm-hmm. that she should at least tried it. And then to go around and turn a pick a fight with her about it the next episode. I I was really pissed off about like the way that like Brandy's racist video was handled. And then this with the chicken feet, I just was like, why is Tiffany like the only, like, I'm going to say person of color. I know Carrie is, she's white passing though, but like in this group of women, um, like why is Tiffany always the one that's sort of being put in a position where she feels like she has to apologize for the offensive shit that these women do? I know it was so wild watching Brandy cry through her whole story. It's like, you're making it about you. Like let her speak. And so don't be like a victim. Like I get like, she's sad. And if she was suicidal, that was hard and stuff, but like, just let her speak, you know, stop making it about you and the crying. Actually, you had told me about the Brandy video because during the Stassi debacles Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe that. I thought that was so wild. And then I was like, okay, I don't, I think cancel culture can sometimes be a little too hard because then people mm-hmm. want to learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Calling people out a hundred percent, like, yes. But then I was like, is Bravo bringing a Chinese girl on because Brandy was like, look at my eyes on Chinese. You know, that's another mm-hmm. reason too. Do they love Brandy that much? They try to save her. You know, there's a whole lot of things that I just like wonder. I mean, I love Andy Cohen and I think that he's obviously trying to rep people of color and like, mm-hmm. it's just weird to think about like, I just wonder how other people respond because, oh, even with like Southern, um, what's it? Southern, Southern charm. charm, Southern comfort. Southern comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, um, Leva, right? Yes. I fell and, off of it. So if I don't know anything, I'm sorry, but I'm keep sorry. going. It's like so basic. What's the red haired girl's name? That's like. Catherine Dennis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on her Instagram, just cause I was like nosy, went to go look. And then all these people were like, we hate Leva. And then somebody else was like, I wonder why. And I was like, yeah, I wonder why. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never know who the, you don't, I don't ever think about who the audience is. You know, mm-hmm. it's like same kind of thing of like, Oh, like I love like nineties country. Like, cause like I'm from the South and like, I used to like love like Tim McGraw, and, like Faith Hill. And they're all really like black lives matter and mm-hmm. all liberal, which I like love, but I'm like, that must be so scary for them to say it, you know, cause their whole fan base probably doesn't agree. And that's the same way with Bravo, probably like you and I, and the people in LA that we know that love Bravo, but then there's the rest of America. Yeah. I think about that with the bachelor too, where it's, but I also just like, I don't know, to me, I listen, I know money's involved. I know a lot of jobs are involved. I just want to say though, like, why are we pandering to racist people? Like, can we fucking not? Like it's not on like the network to adjust to a racist perspective. Like don't encourage that. You know what I mean? 
No, definitely. Well, that's a one on one hand why I think I shouldn't think like, oh, I wonder why Bravo has an Asian. I should just be like, good, Bravo is an Asian, you know? Yeah, but I but I, I agree with you though. I think also like the fact that I, I just think what the white women in that group have been able to get away with in the terms of how they've spoken to her and how they've treated to her, like it's just like not okay and pisses me off. And I don't really feel like there's anyone in the group who gets it enough to like have her back in those situations, you know? Yeah, you're right. I know. And I used to really like Cam and now I feel like she's like starting a campaign against Tiffany. And well, and then she just said something racist on watch what happens live too. She said, I don't remember. It was something about Tiffany being bossy and she compared her to Asian women. And I forget where they went, but she like made some sort of parallel between just like Asian women being bossy. And it was just like, fucked up and stupid. Cam, boo. Cam, get it together. You and your pink dog food need to get it the fuck together, okay? Can I ask you too, speaking of Southern Charm, are you up on this Jay Cutler, Madison, Kristen Cavallari drama? No. Okay, so Madison from... Again, fell off of Southern Charm, but just know about this. Madison and Austin are broken up. Right. Austin and Kristen and Craig and Justin Anderson were in like a drunken Instagram video together like a couple months ago. They like went out together. Then Madison and Jay Cutler were rumored to be dating. And then like a couple days ago on Instagram, uh, Madison did an IG live where she like basically insinuated that Kristen's a bad mom for like getting drunk with the boys and like not being with her kids. And then... Madison like released all these receipts of her and Jay like texting and then Kristen and Jay posted a picture together being like there are a lot of users in this world 10 years strong can't break that I did see that picture today actually and I was wondering what's going on drama I just just I should always ask you I mean but so are they back together Jay and Kristen no, I think they're just like we're best friends and like whatever bottom feeders want to try and like fuck with us or our family like are not going to succeed. Yeah, I don't like Madison. I, you know, I don't either. And I, I just think anyone fucking with Kristen it like is the dumbest person in the world. Like I would not fuck with Kristen or anyone in her orbit at all. Right? Yeah, of course. She's got such strong, like a stronger hold on everything than Madison does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm just... Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just Madison looks... She's looking a little fame hungry. She's looking a little desperado. And I'm not money hungry. And I'm just not really here for it. I mean, I like her accent. And I thought her mom was funny when her mom came on. But Mm -hmm. I was like, I wish that was my nice white mom. But (laughs) (laughs) her mom was so nice. Uh, um, Yeah, Madison's given us a lot, but I why don't I remember her mom at all? I don't. Was this recent? Sister came on, yeah. When she's talking about her breakup with Austin, and I'm living my house and swimming my pool. (laughs) That looks nice. (laughs) I'll go. Um, Speaking of which, Kristen is also rumored to be dating Jeff Die, and I just wanted to ask, since he's a comedian, do you know him? No, like not not in general or not personally. Not personally. But you know of him. Yeah. He's kind of And hot. if they're dating. Yeah. Wait, does she live in Texas? Where does she live? Nashville. Does he live in Nashville? I don't know. But they're rich, so they can just like fly back and forth. During COVID? I mean, ideally not, but Kristen was in the Bahamas for like weeks at the beginning of COVID and it made me so mad. I just like unfollowed her. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't look at this anymore. <laughs> Did she go on a private plane? 
I don't know. They were like stuck there. Like they were there, but like, I just have questions. Like the timeline of it all is a little sus to me. Yeah. And then I also just think posting content about like how much fun you're having quarantining on an island with like your friends and family is just like a little tone deaf given that like people are dying, you know? So like, I was like, I'm out. 100%. But now KCAV is back in the zeitgeist because of Madison. So, you know, anyways, Michelle. I wanna- canceled? Yes, it was bad. It's gone, right? Yes, it was bad and it was boring. And it's not to say Kristen is not a star. Listen, I rewatched Laguna Beach recently for my Patreon and... She was a star at the age of 15. Like she knew exactly what she was doing. She was self-producing the whole time. That being said, I think she just, because she has more to lose and because she's like not, like she's an adult woman with like kids and a business and all this stuff. I just think she wanted to keep more to herself and like more power to you. But like having a reality show is not, that's not entertaining on a reality show, you know? Yeah. I kind of like that show just because I thought her husband was funny. I kind of want them to get back together. A lot of people do. A lot of people were really excited about that photo that they posted. But I didn't like how she always like gave him shit for not working. It's like mm. he ate enough money. Like he has so much money. And he, being a football player, I'm sure is re- not, I'm sure it is really hard. And to become mm. one, you know, he worked hard enough. Like get off his back. I just always felt she was like giving him shit all the time. Like if he just wants to be a farmer, let him be a farmer. Like you have enough money. Oh my God. I, I mean, I don't really want to be a farmer, but I would love to like, just like, chill out and live on a farm. Yes. A dream. I found it. Yes. I found out over the weekend that my newest like soothing show, I've been moving away from Bravo. Bravo isn't really my thing as much as it once was. Um, I got really racist. Wait, what? Because they're all racist. (laughs) Yes. And also just like, it's not like as compelling as it once was to me. Like I'll watch it, but it's like, I'll get a few weeks behind and then I'll binge a few. You know what I mean? It's a little less urgent than it once was, but I decided over the weekend that I'm really into the show Fixer Upper. And I know I'm about seven years late to this, but my God, the most soothing show. I had never seen it until this last weekend. And I just love watching them redo these little farmhouses and cottages and demo day. And they joke around and flirt with each other. I love it. Oh, I love that show. And she's half Korean, half white, like me. Oh, Joanna Gaines is an icon. Uh, I have a cousin who's literally like copycatting her exact life. She's like single, half white female in her. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> literally just moved to like a plot of land that her father-in-law gave her. And she's like, she's from like Boise. So she like never grew up on a farm. <laughs> and she's like, it's like, I'm a farm lady now. And they're building a house from scratch. <gasps> oh my God. But, am I jealous? Yes. Yeah. That, doesn't that sound great? Like, I really wish that I didn't want to do what I wanted to do career-wise because I'm like, I would just love to be like out of the mix. Like, there's something very freeing about just like living in the middle of nowhere in a cute little farmhouse. No one gives a fuck about you or what you're doing, but you're just like with your family, chilling with some horses. But I mean, you kind of can now, right? Like, that's kind of like what COVID's showing that you could kind of live anywhere and do whatever you want, right? I guess. Kind of. Although I did just hear a casting director be like, but here's the thing. I'm not going to pay for you to fly in and work as a local hire. So like, if you move out of LA, it's harder for me to cast you because like, we just want to know that like you live here and you can come to set and get tested and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I guess testing and all that just changes everything. Yeah. But I would love to live on a farm. That's why, that's why my dream is to have a second home elsewhere. Right. You know, the dream. Um, A little dream like that. Wait, what? Just a tiny little dream. Just a tiny little dream, manifestation, all the things. (laughs) Um, You kind of touched on this, but where did you grow up exactly? I grew up in 
Port St. Lucie, Florida, which is now a pretty big city. It like multiplied like in a huge way. Um, mm-hmm. I literally grew up like on a dirt road in the woods. It's like my parents were one of the first people to build there. Whoa. And it's a small town in a sense of like population, but it's big. You know what I mean? Like it'd probably be like from like Los Feliz to West Hollywood in size. You know what I mean? It's still, mm-hmm. you have to drive like, I mean, my best friend lived like 30 minutes away and the other one, like an hour, you know? So like wow. we were in the same town. Um, and then it was really small. It was just kind of like woods and ocean. And then um, one of my friends, actually her parents owned this like orange groves and they sold it to the PGA and then the PGA came and had a huge golf course there. So now it's like blown up like because of that, because it's one of the best golf PGA tour places there is in America. So it just became this huge epicenter of golf. And um, now there's like a Bloomingdale's and all this stuff I heard. I'm like, what? Like I grew up on a dirt road. You know what I mean? Like I had to like plan ahead to go to the grocery store because it was so hard. There was like not another ethnic person for miles around, you know? So it was just like, wow. So I think some of my friends who still live there are like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't live in, you know, I'm like, I just remember what I remember, you know? Yes. You're like, it's been a while. Yeah. I had to drive like an hour and a half on the bus to go to school. You know what I mean? Like it was, Damn. But that's so interesting, Michelle, because I think of you as just like a chill LA cool girl. Like I would never like meet you and be like, oh, she's from a small town in Florida. And that that's not a judgment on small towns in Florida, but you just seem so acclimated to LA that it's hard to not imagine you just like being from here. Well, yeah, I've been here so long. I've been here since college, you know, mm-hmm. and I did my senior year in high school here actually too, because I read in a magazine, I wanted to go to LA County High School for the Arts. And so then I applied and I came here. Whoa, <laughs> I was I more ambitious as a child. I was like, Saul in a magazine, that's high school that I wanted to go to. And so then I applied <laughs> and I came out here then. Where did you live? In my aunt's house in Chino Hills, which is like in the 909. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that your mom was like down to let you go. My mom came with me. My parents had got divorced. And so then my mom came out here too with her sister. And my mom was really like, make, make, make me a movie star. Buy me a house. And I was <laughs> like, um, too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> You're like working on it. I know. So yeah. So my mom still is like, we moved here for you. And I'm like, lady, I was like 16. What did I know? <laughs> so your mom's still out here? Yeah. She lives in the 909 still. It's Inland Empire. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's yeah. cool that like... That, yeah, that your mom moved out here and she's still here. I love that. I mean, as you know from Tiffany, Asian moms need their kids to take care of them. So (laughs) they only have kids so someone will take care of them. So my mom has to live where I live. Wherever I go, she'll go. (laughs) Um, What was your first job? A hostess slash bus girl at Out of Bounds Steakhouse, this restaurant. In Florida? Yeah, this one busy, like the one, like all my friends worked there too. Like we got, we all, we were under the table. It was like illegal because we were too young to work. And we all worked there and it was fun. It was like super fun. It was like a cute little place. Like they named all of their food after like famous people. Like the Dolly Parton was like a pasta with chicken breast. You know, it was yum. Like a cute little place like that. Oh my yeah. God, that's fun. I... I remember like in all the years that I spent in the restaurant industry, I would always look at like the bus boys or bus girls and be like, I know that it's a hard job, but at least you don't have to talk to people as much as when you're a server. And I like still, I'm like, should I have just done that? Like probably. 
Like probably because I could just keep my head down, grab the plates and like leave. Yeah. Well, it was like someday you were a hostess and someday you're a bus girl. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was like looking back, I'm like, I probably made since it was under the table when I was 15, I had no idea how much money I was making. Yeah. Like screwed. But yeah, it was just like a small place too. So it wasn't that hard of working, but Mm -hmm. it was hard work for sure. But and then as people, but that's back when there was like smoking sections still like in Florida. Smoking or non? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People's dirty smoke butts or cigarette butts. Oh my God. What a weird thing that there was just like a section of restaurants that just like reeked like smoke. So gross. Like you can't go an hour without smoking. My dad used to always sit in the smoking section. Same with my mom. We would always sit in the smoking section and I didn't notice. And my friends would be like, you smell bad. And I'd be like, I didn't know. <laughs> oh my God. You probably didn't even think about that. Smelly, smoky kids. No, no. I got, I, I was traumatized. Um, What was your favorite outfit that you wore to a school dance? Oh my God. You know, because my school, we had such a really strict dress code. We're like an academic magnet, my Florida school. And mm-hmm. so you had to wear um, like polos and jeans and a belt and clothes oh. and shoes. To a dance? No, in life, right? Oh, so uh-huh. when we went to dances, we would just wear t-shirts because it was such a rebellion. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Cause like we were not allowed to wear t-shirts cause they felt like t-shirts were like slacker mode and you wouldn't like work as hard if you wore a t-shirt. So if you look back at all these school dances, we're all just wearing t-shirts, like Miami hurricanes, t-shirts, <laughs> and stuff like that. With just like <laughs> jeans and a belt. Yeah. I just look idiots or like hyper color t-shirts because you know, I'm aging myself now, but <sighs> what those are, those shirts you like blow on them and they change colors or whatever. It was Wait, just like, no, I missed out on this. What? They were like early nineties, like hyper colored t-shirts. They like were like kind of look like they were tie-dye, but then if your body, when you got sweaty, basically it would just change color. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that someone in this is such a fucking nineties thing that someone in the nineties was like, How can we make sweat cool? So that when you're like when you're like rollerblading around the suburbs, like you only look cooler the sweatier you get. Yeah. Or like if you have a heated game of pogs and you sweat through your shirt, then you just look cooler. <laughs> oh my God. Did you have the shirts that like shrunk to be really tiny and they were like crinkly fabric and like then you would pull them out? Oh yeah. Yeah. Those were wild. You couldn't even fold them. They got so tiny. I think those would probably be back in soon. I feel like a Hadidi would wear that and then... Yes, because they were crop tops, whether you wanted it to be or not, because they like scrunched up. Crinkly baby tea. Yes, a crinkly baby tea. I know. I love baby tea. I think thinking about that too, about school dances. I love to baby tea. Yes. Illegal at our school. So illegal. You couldn't wear them. No, because they don't have a baby tea. Wait, do you mean like a t-shirt that's really small? Yeah, baby tea. I didn't know that that's what they were called. (laughs) Like what they're wearing, like at every episode of Friends. Or yes, like yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like just like a cute little crop top. Sometimes there's quarter length sleeve ones. Yes. Those were so cool in the 90s. You know, like it's fun that 90s fashion is back in some ways because it's like, oh, like I remember when that was in the first time, like I was fucking there. But then I'm also like, I don't, not all of it is like the most flattering on me. And so like, I'm not going to lean in. I think that like, because I've always kind of like loved to dip into the nineties and I used to be, I would like dip into like what they wore, like a 902 and O kind of, and now I'm like what they wore on Melrose place. You know what I mean? Like I want to be like, you have to go with your age, you know what yes. I mean? So like, 
you can't just be wearing like what the teenagers wore in the 90s. You have to wear like with, you know, our moms on vacation wore in the 90s. Yes, which I feel like, didn't you post a picture <laughs> recently being like channeling my mom on vacation? You were in like a cute little fanny pack and like a tied up shirt with like yeah. sneakers and a little visor or something. Yeah. And you looked adorable. Yeah, so you got to go with the age, right? So then it's yes. weird. Yes, my mom, like she loved like a black, like sleeveless, like high neck tank with like a high-waisted, like light wash mom jean and like, you know, a cute sandal. That sounds amazing. Like you could wear that right now. Adorable. <laughs> and like a low pony, but with like a clip, like a like a tortoise shell like clip. Yes. Oh, what a time. Who was your cartoon crush growing up? Oh, Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty. Prince Philip can get it. And that's an answer I don't think I've gotten a lot. Really? Yes. And how weird that I knew right away because this is like he was the love of my life when I was little. Yes, everything. <laughs> Prince Philip was cool because he was kind of like rebellious and he wasn't like afraid to like beat down a dragon for Sleeping Beauty. Like that's hot. Yeah. And he like his best friend is a horse. Yeah. And he was hot. It's kind of works. My husband kind of looks like him as a cartoon. Oh God, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, you hear a lot about, like, horse girls, but we don't talk enough about horse guys. I know, because they're so sensitive. Prince Philip was a hot horse guy, yeah. Hot horse guy. That's a dream. The dream. Oh, my God. What? Is it Anna Prince? Yes. Honestly, the best of both worlds. I'm going horseback riding soon as, like, a Valentine's Day outing with Jake. It's, like, a COVID-safe activity we're doing. And I'm so excited to, like, be by a horse because I haven't gone horseback riding since I was, like, 15. And I love them. Oh, they're so sweet. I know I miss horses. And they're like empaths. Like they're like, they pick up on your vibe. So if you're just like, hey, like we're friends, they're like, cool. One time I was going through a really bad breakup like seven years ago. And it's when I worked at a horse rescue Mm -hmm. and I was like in the stall cleaning this horse's poop and I started crying and the horse came and put its head on my shoulder while I was crying. Like it was the most moving thing of my life. It was so sweet. I'm like about to cry. That's an amazing story. Also, like, I know that it's like kind of a joke, but people are like, I had a friend recently who was like, oh, I didn't realize you were like a horse girl. And I was like, listen, like, I feel like there's a negative connotation with both cat ladies and horse girls. And you and I are both of those things. And I just don't like the shade. It's like, oh, we really like these really sweet, amazing animals. How terrible of us. Yeah. Like these sweet, like empathetic animals. Also, my dog. Can you see him? Oh, yeah. I can like see his ear. He can like hear us talking about animals. And he's like, did you call my name? Did you? Um, Who would your celebrity bestie be and why? A character or a real life actor? A real life actor. But now I'm interested in character as well. Hmm. Katherine Hahn. Michelle, she's my dream celebrity bestie too. I love her. Yes. Yes. She just seems like so fun and funny and equal parts a down bitch and then equal parts like hilarious Mm -hmm. and wouldn't let you grovel too long if you were sad Mm -hmm. and really fun. Did I say fun already? I'm like, she's fun, fun, fun. Down to earth. Yeah. She, there is a performance of Britney Spears, Spears's that's on the internet. And I forget what award show it was from, but I want to say it was within the last like six or seven years, like around when Bad Moms came out. And they just keep panning back to Kristen Bell and Katherine Hahn in the audience while Britney's performing, being like, yeah! 
And I just love like Catherine's Britney enthusiasm, like in that clip, like only made me love her more. I was like, yes, I knew I liked her, but now I know for sure. Yeah. Of course she loves Britney. She loves dancing. I bet she loves yes. dancing a lot. I mean, now that I want to change my answer to Britney Spears a little bit too, though. Oh, I know. I want to be her friend too. And she is someone who I really want to see get into equine assisted therapy because I really think it's good yes. for the soul. Yes. Yeah, I want to open one of those actually. Sometimes I'm like, I give up on stand up and I want to move to Ojai and open equine therapy place. Yes. And all the actors that I know that are suffering can tell their friends that are suffering and just drive up. It's only an hour and a half from LA. Just come on up and cuddle a pony. Oh, that's my dream. I really think like I, if I were like given permission to like help plan what I think Brittany should do next, um, if I were given that honor, I would literally just like move her to like a beautiful scenic ranch somewhere where we would build like a great dance studio that she could dance in. And then she could just like hang out with horses and her kids all day. Like that's literally all I want for her. And I don't, I don't want her to have to like be Brittany for anyone but herself. Tell her dad that. I will. I'll call up Jamie and be like, listen, I have some thoughts. Okay. You ready? (laughs) And you're not involved in any of them. (laughs) He's such a dick. I'm taking a picture of my cat right now. I'll send it to you later. She's being so cute. Please do. I think she's like really soothed by listening to us talk. Oh, I love that. I feel like Emmy really appreciates like divine femme energy. She does. Lillian does too. Um, uh, Oh wait. Also, what character would you be besties with? Oh my God, that's a harder one. Romy and Michelle. <laughs> oh, great answer. And you came up with it right away. <laughs> one time I waited on Lisa Kudrow and I had watched Romy and Michelle and then it was on TV and I was doing laundry and it came on again and I just watched it again, like that crazy, like late at night because I love that movie so much. And in the morning when I worked at this vegan place in West Hollywood, Lisa Kudrow was my only person that came in and just sat there. And my, I just turned around and I looked at her. I went, I just was just watching you. And she went, oh. And I went, Romy and Michelle. And she went, oh. <laughs> like that totally, the totally way she does it. You know, like, oh, oh. And then she's like, I love that movie. And I was like, me too. And then she's like, no one's ever said anything to me about that movie. It's always just friends. No one's, e- what? Yes. I think of her as Michelle before I think of her as Phoebe. And I said what I said. Yeah, me too. And then she loved that my name was Michelle. And then she kept screaming Michelle over and over again. What a fucking moment. Then she only gave me $8 on 36. Okay. I mean, Lisa, that's disappointing. I also always think of her as Valerie Cherish too. Yes. Because I love the comeback. Like top three favorite shows of all time. I'm actually going to be like, I've seen the comeback too, but you know. Yeah. Like I loved you as Val. I know. I know. It's That's what's so weird about... I feel like, especially in LA, it's just one of those like never meet your heroes kinds of things. Cause it's almost like, I don't want my perception of you to change. Like I like liking you, which is why to, let's bring Catherine back into it. Anytime I have been around Catherine in a restaurant setting, she's always been an absolute doll. And I love that. Yeah, She's a joy. Like you're like, we are best friends. She like friends. grabbed my hand once, like in like a maternal way, because she was like, I was like inside or outside. And she's like, Mm, which is quieter. And I was like, I don't know. The patio is kind of lit right now. And she grabbed my hand and was like, I'm so fucking old. What does lit mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry. It's just like kind of like busy. And she's like, it is lit out there. Let's sit inside. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what is your favorite act of self-care? Hmm. Cat cuddling. Oh, 
If that isn't an act of self-care, I don't know what is. It's very soothing. My God. They really are like therapy animals. Yeah, they really are. Do you feel like Emmy, your daughter, is um, very attuned? (laughs) Your cat daughter, I should be specific, (laughs) is very attuned to like your emotions. Like when you're feeling down, will she just like lay on your chest or like knead at your leg? Oh, yeah. The other day, my husband and I were in a fight and she literally kept going, walking out back in between our laps. She would sit on my lap and then meow and then walks it on his lap and meow. Like she wanted us to stop fighting. Like it was so crazy. She was like trying to build a bridge of love between the two of us. She's like, I love you, mom and dad. Please stop fighting. No, it was so cute. And then we like started laughing at her. So then it like broke the tension, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Other than that, maybe bubble baths. Ooh, are you like a bath bomb kind of bitch? I know. I'm like a half bag of Epsom salt kind of bitch. Like I want Mm. all that Epsom salt in there. I want to like float. (gasps) Do you use just like the plain flavor or like the lavender? Plain, plain. I've never taken an Epsom salt bath. Really? Never. It makes a sore body feel so much better. It's so soothing. The reason I have to use plain is sometimes my cat drinks my bath water. So Mm. I don't want to drink like lavender or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But just some salt water is fine. But yeah, it makes your body feel so much better and you're sore. Oh my God. And especially, sorry, but like from our serving days, I mean. you, You really should have been doing it back then. Like when your feet. My feet, my lower back, like my sciatica. Oh, not sciatica. Horrible. Or um, plantar fasciitis. <laughs> I have that too. I have that too. But I only have, I have the other one where it's not down the whole strip. It's just like in one area of your arch. Yes, God. It bulges out of my foot like a, like a, like, it just pops out. It's so gross. Oh my God. The shit that we put up with as servers. Like, wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. I'm going to add that to my list. Epsom salts. I oh my God. It's them. amazing. It makes your body feel so good. And then also like, it's good because the magnesium soaks into your body. And that's really like a, like a, something we're lacking. Okay. I literally keep hearing about how important magnesium is. And yeah. I didn't realize that, that it was in Epsom salts. I didn't realize that. I used to have like a kind of like on the verge of being like an autoimmune thing where like my allergies were so bad. Like I didn't, it was like a food allergy. Like I didn't know what I was allergic to. Like if I would have, it'd be random. Like sometimes I have shrimp and I'd be okay. And then I have shrimp and then I have hives or I would have like wine and my hand would blow up like nutty professor. Like it was just like crazy. And Epsom salt baths made it so much better. And I think it was because it was either lacking the magnesium or it calmed down, you know what I mean? Because your nervous system's all wild too. But like, it was such a big deal. So now I take magnesium at nighttime too. Oh my gosh, you learn something new every day. I'm so excited to integrate this into my routine and I'll definitely report back. Also so happy that your unclear allergies got under control. That's so scary. It was so weird. It might've been stress. Like, I mean, stress is a killer. Who knows, you know? It really is. The silent killer. Um, Do you have a hype up song? And if so, what is it? I should, but I don't. I have like more like, I don't have like one specific song. Like I love, and my husband hates this about me. I love to play ABBA when I'm feeling sad. Um, I love that. I feel like ABBA is the perfect type of music. He was like, nobody but you likes ABBA. And I literally like called like 10 more people to be like, just tell, tell Evan your feelings on ABBA. <laughs> oh my God. Did you call a friend of the pod, Gabby? Gabby loves ABBA. I know I should have though, but I didn't. So she was <laughs> in New York during the, the hard times of New York during that. Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to bother her. Um, <laughs> like ABBA, I already know you do, but can you just say it to prove a point? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my God. That's like, a little old musical about ABBA. Like people obviously love ABBA. Like you're crazy. Yes. Also because like, I feel like ABBA is the perfect music. Like you could literally like be listening to it while you're like pre-gaming. You could dance to it by yourself. You could play it like at a dinner party. You could play it. I mean, yeah. play it in the car. Like ABBA's truly a sound for all seasons. It truly is. Yeah. Michelle, the my last thing about me too is how much I love ABBA. Wait, what? The whitest thing about me too is how much I love <laughs> um, My final question for you, and this always flies by. Thank you so much again for coming on. Oh my God, it's a blast. Um, truly, it's such a good time. What is something aspirational that you don't have yet, but you want, and it can be anything? A house. I want to own a house. And we're trying to do that right now too, because that's why it's like on top of my mind. And it's like, I mean, LA real estate is so insane. So Mm -hmm. insane. Like sometimes I just think about what everyone else I know pays for, for a house and then what we have to pay for Like it's crazy, but yeah. Oh my God. I mean, going back to fixer upper, they'll be like, this couple just bought this adorable house for 75 K and they can renovate it for a hundred grand. And then they have this like fucking amazing house by the end of the episode. I know it's crazy. At, at least on average, they're like $200,000, these houses. Yeah. Like you literally can't buy a shed in LA for $200,000. No. can't buy a lot of land. No, I know Jake is like addicted to Redfin. Like his act of self-care is just like cruising Redfin all day. And he'll be like, oh, this is pretty reasonable. And it's like 1.2 million. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what money do you think I'm making? <laughs> like, what? Oh, it's wild. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but I love that for you. And I'm thrilled to see like it, the future house that you will inevitably own. Oh, dear God, please. It's going to be like in Santa Clarita, but you know. <laughs> Hey, space is space. Owning a house is owning a house, you know? Closest to like living on a farm in LA as you can get is move to Santa Clarita, I think. Sounds great then. Sign me up. Rescues are and stuff like that and stuff, you know. Then I'm moving to Santa Clarita. I'm right behind you, Michelle. (laughs) Um, For real, my cat just lit herself on fire a little bit with the space heater. Oh, no! (laughs) Emmy! She presses herself up against it like so hardcore. She burns <laughs> her fur. Oh, Emmy. I, is she okay? Yeah. She doesn't even notice it happened. You just smell it. Yeah. You just smell the burning fur. Um, well, I'll let you tend to your daughter really quick though. <laughs> Will you just tell my listeners like where they can find you and plug any projects, plug all the things? Well... Cat momming at no, just kidding. I was like, this is just so much about being talking about cats. They're gonna be like, well, this lady loves cats. Um, I can be found on Instagram at Michelle A. Thorne, no E at the end, T H O R N, because there's Michelle Thorne with an E, is a huge porn star. So you could also follow her, but that's not gonna be me. So Michelle A. Thorne. Um, uh, currently, I'm writing on a show on Amazon. Um, it's still kind of a secret though. So I'll post all that stuff on, on michellethorne.com. Yay. Not.com on Instagram. Michelle Um, And then throwing punches has its own Instagram too at throwing punches on Instagram. So. Yes. Y'all follow Michelle, follow her show. Keep an eye out for this secret project you're working on. And um, thank you so much again for coming on. 
god thank you so much it's so fun oh yeah we'll see you soon guys bye